Hey, bless God. Somebody else to be legging it around in the annex, isn't it? In the very near future. So we've got a Caleb, we've got a Joshua, we've got an AN other, we've got Rocco. Also, can we just say at Rocco before we start, the courts will make its official decision or make their decision known on the 12th of September as to whether or not Rocco goes up for adoption or whether he goes back to his mum. I need to tell you that the courts won't be making the decision, but the decision will be made in the throne room of heaven. Amen. 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 So we stand with it, and I ask you again to push in and just say, my God, the destiny of that boy will not be dictated by the system, but it will be dictated by the throne room of heaven. Amen. Amen. Okay, are we in a good place? I'm in a good place. I'm in a very good place. Now, I told you last week about how good I was going to be, and I was nice and slow, and we were building good. That was all right, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I'm not that last week. Now we're in a new week. We have a lot to cover, so I'm going to be turning up to level two. Is that okay? I don't care if you say no. I'm still going to be at level two and still push on. Because there are so many things that we need to cover. And this morning, I believe, was a very demonstration of what we're talking about. Now, remember what we've been speaking about last week and what Pastor Tony's been talking, what seems to be an eternity, has been entering in. But I asked the question last week, do you know what you're entering into? And are you any closer? And the majority of people, and bless you for your honesty, turned around and said, no. Is that not right? Now, that is not a stick to beat us with. But if we keep saying there is a place and a position for entering in, we don't know what we're entering into, why we're entering in, and feeling any closer, then we're out of alignment somewhere. So this morning... My intention is to show you two reasons why we're not entering in and then give you how you can enter in, not as a pipe dream, but as a reality. Is that all right? So you must build with me this morning. If there is no pull and no push, I can't bring what needs to be brought. Is that okay? Or else otherwise, all we do is you waste my time, I waste yours, and let's quickly get the coffee and toast on. So are we ready to go? I still need to make this point clear. Well, I've just said to you that Pastor Tony's been talking about this for a while. I am not diminishing anything he has said. I am adding, hopefully, some additional clarity to where he's already been building. Is that okay? The Spirit of God knows what he's doing. Amen? Now, we turned around and said about this entering in last week, we enter in that Christ will be revealed and that the Christ will be formed in you. Is that right? So if we turn around and say, what are we entering? Is it a new season? Is it intimacy? Is it the presence? Is it purpose? Is it new day? All of those things come under the umbrella of that Christ is established in you and me. Out of anything that Paul turns around and says in the New Testament, not this one, but the Apostle Paul, we're we're almost an apostle, junior apostle, apostle in training. 
We have Paul over here, but the scripture turns around and Paul says, I labor with all his energy until Christ is formed or established in you. Did he turn around and say, my job is to build the church as big as it is. My job is to build, I'm going to have one of these city churches, going to have a thousand people in, we'll have a big screen, there'll be smoke and mirrors, it'll all be going on. I labour with all his energy until Christ is established in you. The priority of anything that comes to us is that the Christ is seen and the Christ is formed. Is that all right? Now remember, we turn around, allow me to take a rabbit trail just for a second. Again, this is something that Pastor Tony picked up, so I don't need to cover all of it. But we turned around and said that when Adam and Eve fell in the garden, it set, a, it set a course of events in motion. The intimacy was broken, that it brought separation, it brought isolation, and it created a debt that needed to be paid for. So the process and the road to redemption needed to be established. That was through Jesus Christ and the sacrifice he made. Now, we've been around church a while, so I don't need to explain that, do I? Right, that's good, so we can move on. But what happened was the power of sin started to take hold of mankind, not just Adam and Eve, but mankind. There was the power of sin over them. There was the presence of sin in them, and there was the penalty of sin against them. All of that was bought and paid for in Jesus Christ, but it also affected the next generation. Have you heard the, the phrase when it turns around and says, the sins of the fathers will not be passed on to their children? Oh, yes, it will. Oh, yes, it will, in this context. Now, again, I'm going to use, we'll use invisible Billy, who's sat here, so I don't have to look at anybody. <laughs> Because I'm going, I'll go to John, no, I won't go to John, I'll go to Paul, no, I won't go to Paul. I'll go to Invisible Billy. Now, Invisible Billy here, the scripture would turn around and say, right, he sins, and that sin that he has, then the consequences of that sin will pass to his children and his children's children. But the scripture also declares, and this will no longer be a saying in Israel. Why? Because when Jesus Christ comes along, the curse and the penalty that John might have walked into was broken. Yeah. So Tumby doesn't have to, Pendo doesn't have to pick up the penalty of dad's sin. Is dad a pillock? Not John, sorry. Dad can do stupid things. Because here's the scripture, we all can, well done, Shul, because none of us is perfect. If you read, there's so many things I can go in at the moment, and I'm just throwing things out, see where it sticks. Job turns around and makes, makes a several statements. Job, uh, Job makes this statement first. I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a woman. So he has to make a decision that he won't allow his eyes to be the gateway or the entrance point for lust to take hold of him. Have you ever heard the statement, you undress me with your eyes? Yeah. There's some people I see, I think, I need to dress you with my eyes, not undress you. <laughs> Put any context in that you want. But Job also makes this statement, that when I move towards that, may my wife grind for another. You go, oh, well, look at that. Baking, we've got British Bake Off. It's nothing about making bread, 
It means, may my wife be open to sleep with other men because I've given my heart to look at other women. And it also states from your eyes in the gateway that you make that your legacy transfer will be cut off because you gave your eyes to something else. But this will no longer be a a saying in Israel. Why? Because Jesus Christ has said, the penalty of sin has been paid for. When I step in, the old has gone, the new has come. The end is from the beginning. No more do I remember. As far as the east is from the west, do I remember your sin any longer? You miserable bunch. I thought you'd all be on your seats by now. That every one of us should be beaten, we should be broken, we are guilty of what has been paid. Not only our fathers, but what I'm guilty of. There's blood on my hands. I don't know about you, but as we move forward in Jesus Christ, the penalty has been paid. Amen. Amen. It is the enemy who wants to keep drawing me back to the old reference point. So I'm held in guilt, I'm held in shame, I'm held in isolation and separation. But what has happened is, from that fall, I told you last week that something kicks into place. It's called the way of Cain. And in the way of Cain, I moved to self-justification. It's the woman you gave me. Well, I only did that because Eric cheesed me off. So if Eric had not cheesed me off, then I wouldn't have done it. You know what we called it in our terms? Sliding doors. That if the situation was different, I would have made a different choice. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Because when you're in that moment, you can justify anything you do. I can justify what I say. I can justify what I look at. I can justify any single principle that comes along. I will not tell you who said it, right? But it offended my heart. They're not part of, they're not saved. And they're not part of the Dream Center. I hope those things are... (laughs) Not interchangeable. But I heard a statement last week, and it shocked me to my core. And this is justification. Somebody was telling a story of a girl who was on holiday, and when she was on holiday, she had too much to drink. So some of the local fellas were taking her back to her hotel. And the guy telling the story said this, She'll wake up tomorrow morning pregnant without a purse in her pocket, but it'll be her own fault because she's done it to herself. Have you not heard it? When people turn around and say, well, that woman, she deserved to be raped. Have you seen what she looks like? Boob tube and miniskirt. She might as well not be wearing anything. That's not a skirt, it's a belt. It's what my dad would say. What, what are you wearing a belt for? So people justify their actions and say, if you didn't look like a tramp, I won't treat you like a tramp. Now, I've just given you something quite extreme, but I hope I think I've just got your attention. We justify so many different things. But in that self-justification, I also come to the place that goes like this. Well, John, uh, sorry I said what I said about you, you being a scuffer and all, but um, I was having a bad day. Paul had already cheesed me off. You were the straw that broke the camel's back. Do you know what that's called? That's called a get out of jail free card. Because I just didn't apologize. I just gave him the reason why I cheesed him off. 
Apologies come with, I'm wrong, you're right, can you please forgive me? If anybody ever starts an apology with, but let me tell you why, it's time to jog on. So we wonder, don't we, why that if we follow the ways of Cain, the wheels fall off. The wheels will fall off you so much in you and I when we allow ourselves to move this way. I believe, and I think this is maybe one of my key points this morning, that one of the most corrosive and divisive seasons that the modern day church is coming into is when people move towards self and humanism. When we take in that natural reasoning, when people propagate truth without God, we move towards the spirit of error rather than the spirit of truth. But what he said can sound really good. It can sound really good. And this is the self-justification. So the self-justification is, we'll go again to Invisible Billy. Invisible Billy's not having a good day, but here's Invisible Billy. It turns around and says, well, it's like this, Billy. The reason that you've been like this and done that is because your parenting was bad. You wasn't loved. Mum dropped you on your head. Yeah, you were bullied at school. You were ginger. You know, whatever it was, there's a reason that people say, I can now validate your behavior because of this. So I'll now give a reason to why your behavior is completely unacceptable to everybody else. I told you why children, why people raise or have children that, I'm trying to think of the nice word I used last week. How that you'll have children who are spoiled, how children will press in, how children will overstep boundaries because mum and dad never set them. So when mum and dad set like or set boundaries as prats, they will always raise brats. Don't blame the kid for being a brat. Look for the one who says the boundary's okay. You know, one of the worst things we can do without, again, quick rabbit trail, one of the worst things we can ever do as parents is that when we turn around and say to our kids, you do that one more time, John, you're off to bed. No tea, you're off to Never mind the food bank. Don't talk to me about the food bank. Bed. No tea, no supper, bed. Any more of it. So he does it again. Right, I warned you. I'm telling you, any morning you're going to bed. You're going to bed. Everything is lost when you don't act on the words you speak. But we look at them and it turns into, you know, it's like Shrek when the cat's eyes open, the little kids look at you. We have to be able to act upon our words, don't we? And move through. Here's a scripture which is mighty from 1 Corinthians 1.17 says this. For Christ did not send us to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross be robbed of its power. We turn around and say, we can justify anybody's behavior, how you come in. Right, again, I'm going to allow the pendulum to swing quite far this way. Now, remember, it's going to come back to the middle somewhere, but allow the pendulum to swing outside there. We rob the cross of its power. What is the job of the Holy Ghost? The job of the Holy Ghost is to convict the world of sin and unrighteousness and to establish Jesus Christ as the way to salvation. 
Am I all right? Am I still gospel without turning to all the scriptures? Yeah. Yes? So that's the job. But when people come into church, church has been made the place of, this is the safest, most welcomingest place you can ever be, where it's not our job to make Eric feel uncomfortable. <laughs> but it is the Holy Ghost's. We're not here of hellfire and damnation beating you, you dirty, rotten dog. But there has to be a place that when we just turn around and go, well, we can accept everybody's behavior because look at where we are. We've got Brexit and these food banks. And because of, hey, I'm not just picking up on food banks. You think of something. Somebody will say, what did Andy use the term before? They'll be eating or heating. Well, you see, it was in Tesco's and I did that shoplifting. Why? Because we need some money for the meter. I can justify any... Does it make it right? Social concerns are social concerns. But it doesn't make the behaviour acceptable. So when we come into church and we go like this, setting the boundaries, just say, for instance, here we go. A couple come in, young couple. Sorry, Eric, you're on my list now. We've gone past Invisible Billy. We're on Eric now. <laughs> Eric comes in next week and he's starting to, I'm doing life, blah, 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 finds a new girlfriend and says, right, we're going to set up home together. We're just going to start living together and we'll work from there. Now, it's acceptable to everybody, but is it acceptable to him? No. So I can do one of two things. Eric, this behavior needs to come into alignment or something's, there's going to be an issue on the road here yeah. but you can't say that because you know why because you're a bigot John <laughs> how dare you turn around and say that their behavior is not right look do you know what all they're doing is try before you buy does that not make common sense if you try before they buy, why wreck everybody, give them a great day? Think of all that money you'd spend on a wedding, Eric. It'd be ruined, wouldn't it? It'd be ruined. She's bought a big dress. You can have one as well yourself these days. <laughs> so we'll all have a big dress. We'll get Tom out with the photos. We'll get it all going on. It all fell flat because we shouldn't be together. The way of Cain. We find ourselves in our reasoning, even in the church, that what is outside of the church has infiltrated the church that causes us to think in a different way. And in that reasoning and humanism, it changes so much. It explains away the very power of God. It removes the God factor. We're back to eating from the trolley, uh, from the trollage, from the tree of knowledge. Trollage is like college. It's, it's a different version. We eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than the tree of life. And it's so easy. Just stand back and you will see the wood for the trees. How many will set their lives on reason rather than what God is saying? So let me show you a few bits. I'll tell you really quickly, but this will show you why you're not entering in. Is that okay? Because it'd be good to know the reason why we're not getting in rather than let me just keep on going and see if I get any closer next week. Can I tell you something? If you're not any closer after 12 weeks, you won't be any closer on week 13. Do you know the definition of insanity? Keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different outcome. Well, I'm going to be closer this week. What have you done different? Nothing, but I'll be closer. Carry on. 
humanism in the way of Cain. Number one, it provides an alternative and freedom of choice that stands outside God's counsel. God says in the garden, this you can eat, do not touch this, do not eat it. The end, they, Eve got it wrong when she turned around and said, and God said, don't touch it or you'll die. There was eating of it. It's a simple, simple process. This is yours, this is yours, this isn't. My mum, God bless her soul, was inflicted with the disease of dust catchers. You don't know what that means, do you? I'll go back in time. My mum just collected loads of random ornaments. Here's something from somebody's holidays. The kids made this when they were four. All that kind of stuff. And she had them on coffee tables and windowsills, display cabinets. But do you know what? It was her house and it was her bit she liked. Didn't matter if I thought it was tat. It was my mum's stuff. Now here's my mum and you wonder where I get it from. My mum turns around. It was like, oh, the kids are coming. Jill was only small at the time. Kids are coming. It is not my responsibility to stop your children touching my things. It's your responsibility. Because I am never going to move anything of mine because your kids are in my house. Because my house is still my house. And it's your job to control your kids in my house. Get everything moved, Caleb's coming. Get everything moved, our Dan's coming, never mind Caleb. And you know what? To this day, my kids will not touch something that is not theirs. Uh -uh. It's not yours, don't touch. It's not yours, don't touch. This is the very thing in the garden. This is not yours, don't touch. You've got two, I've got one. Now, again, it's amazing the illustrations you can get from kids. Our house is not Ruby, our, our house anymore. It's Ruby's playground <laughs> and seems to be Ruby's toy store all piled up in one corner of the living room. She's got everything you could ever want. But do you know what she wants? What Caleb is playing with. Yeah. Ah, it's natural. What caused Adam and Eve to fall was not the temptation of the enemy. It was dissatisfaction. These are mine, but that one's got to taste so much. Why is he holding it back from us? Just think how reason goes. Why is God doing that to me? He's tight, that God. Tight, selfish, that's God's job. There must be something in there that is so good he's trying to hold me back from. But that's for another day. So I take my leaning from counsel outside of God and his word. I have my own version of understanding what I believe God is saying. God says this. Now let me try and think about what God's trying to say. God's very clear about what he's saying. 
But when I pull it back into this remit of the way of Cain, I'll now try and find my way how I can navigate around what God's saying to get the result I want. People want enlightenment without having the principles, the process, and the blueprints of God. So we say, again, we've already started it. Eric's with Mrs. Eric now. They're living together. Sex outside marriage. And we go, well, I'm going to marry her. So I'll, I'll marry her somewhere down the line. I justify my behavior because somewhere I'll put it right. Of course, I'm not talking to any of you angelic beings in here this morning have all just dropped off your cloud with your harp still in in good working order we find a way through the way of Cain and humanism to how much we can lower the standard as quickly as possible we kind of drop it down now again I'm old school I'm old I know I'm old I'm not as old as Andy but I'm old And what you'll find is when I went to school and there was school sports day, the winner got a prize. Normally it was a packet of chewits or something, none of them rubbish medals and things you get these days. Wonder where the school budget's gone, it's all gone on sports day. You got a packet of sweets or something that went, there you go, you're the victor for the moment. But now we've built an environment where it goes, we'll all get a prize for having a go. What you gotta do, you gotta encourage the fat kids. Sorry, I'm I'm just been completely non-PC you hear what I'm saying that's not my statement this is the statements that will be made everybody gets a go it doesn't matter if you're not sporty it doesn't matter everything everybody's done a lap of honour they've been round twice they've already done PE another three times after you and Billy's still trying to get over the line give him a packet of sweets for trying you don't get a packet of sweets from God for trying It's not how low can we set the standard. He is the standard. Yes? They want to be like God without a God nature. So let me argue with God. Again, remember we touched on it last week where we said Job doing mastermind. Yeah? Yeah? Questions about God. Uh -uh, That one's wrong. Uh -uh, That one's wrong. We try and debate with God and see if we can set the standards. We move towards religion when you remove the God factor and say, I will be like God. There's a term for it. It's called pantheonism. Pantheonism is that there's God in everything, always lead to God. I can see God in you, Shirley. I can see God in Eric. And it doesn't matter if he's a Hindu or a Buddhist or whatever. All roads lead to God. No, they don't. All roads lead to the grave. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. God is not a God of confusion. He makes it extremely plain. But I want to be like him, but live any way I want, justifying my behavior, because God, you're tight in the first place. If you would have given me everything, God, if you would have let me be born in the house of Windsor, I would have had a Jaguar and I would have married a woman with a big nose and it'll all be... (laughs) And we'd be part of the Tweed and Twin Pearl set. But no, I was born in Drolsden. What did I get for my legacy? What did I get? Wilkinson's and a big Tesco. 
we look and go, life's so unfair, and God, you have done this to me. Is there anybody outside of me who's ever looked at their life and gone, God, you've done this to me? Is there anybody going to be honest apart from me? Okay, Jack, right, it's me and Jack. All of you are all liars <laughs> and have no place in God because liars don't go to heaven. Me and Jack's going. Because you'll get those moments and say, God, why have you brought this to my door? I'll go quiet again. We're a people who now say, apart from taking instruction, we have to be in the place of being experience-led. So give, me, so give me an experience. Give me an experience about it. If you do that, you're good. You know what we say to the kids? Don't touch that. It's hot. It'll, it'll burn you. Well, how do I know what being burned is? Why don't you trust it and find out? Go, hey, ah! Got three fingers left. I told you, don't do it. But the experience taught me a lesson the words didn't. Again, do your own reference and scriptures. Get to the place where the man writes, Lord, you lead me by your eyes. My mum, I knew my mum. It wasn't my dad. My mum was this big. And I'm not joking. And that was with high heels on. So I am tall in my house. In the lineage of the Clarks, there is great height. Okay? There was my mum, but my mum just needed to go like that. And you knew. You just knew. You touched that. And again, a good Mancunian phrase for those of you who are not Mancunian who would love to be, you're going to get the furry side. That means the back of your hand, the furry side. But she could make a look and you knew exactly where you were coming from. And people want to be wise outside of the leading of God. We want the goodness without the Godness. All of these things will define why you're not stepping in. Have you ever thought why scripture turns around and says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind? That we must put on the mind of Christ. That I must take captive every thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and make it obedient to Christ. Hello, welcome to the way of Cain. Paul leads us this morning. He's saying, come on, this is it. There's a presence. Let's step in. Oh, we love your presence. We love your Holy Ghost. We're picking our noses. We're looking out the window. The council is, the doorway is open. Will you step in? But there's a reason. We've already used the term several times this morning. Distraction. We're trying to worship and the kids are running around and going, will you get older, Caleb? And the door's going bang, bang, bang at the back. Somebody, can I go upstairs? Can I change my car? Can I go to the toilet? And all the time, the distractions. I'm not even thinking about going to work on Monday. What's for dinner? Have we got, do we need to go to Tesco's before it shuts? Oh, I'm going to my mum's. Oh, we've got to get the kids ready. Oh, did I get the school uniforms ready? They're back on Tuesday. All of that stuff that's a distraction causes me not to enter. And I look and I understand by the way of Cain. And I justify everything. So I just, I've had a bad week. Would you worship if you'd been in the situation I was in? Talk to somebody this week. And I use this very phrase. I use the term. I said the priority in life is to see the Christ formed. 
And I said, that's great, and I try my best, but it's all dependent on the circumstances. Now, do you know what? That sounds like perfect logic and sense. Until you come back and say, why aren't your, sub- your circumstances subject to the Christ? How much did pastor turn around and minister on? And do not be caught in your need. Don't worry about this and don't worry about that because the Christ is still the centrality of everything that we've got. Did I ignore that you're skint? Do I ignore that you're ill? Do I ignore that your relationships are upside down? Do I ignore that your boss is on your back? No, but my reference place has to be I run to the rock that is higher than I. When I went through some stuff last year, somebody turned around and said at the end of it, we said, calculate, calculate your year, see how you went. And I went, dink, 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 dink. I'll turn the page. Dink, 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 dink. These are all the negative bits, not the good bits. I'm on page three now, and I'm not exaggerating, because those who know me know me. Dink, dink, dink. And the person went, flipping heck. I didn't know any of that was going on. Why should you? Are you supposed to know? I share with those I need to share with. So I might stand with Paul and Tony and with Andy. Share with people that hold my life and I hold their life in prayer, in the word, do it. I don't need to tell all of you that the wheels have fell off. Because guess what? The wheels didn't fall off. Just life stunk at that time. But God is still God and he's still on the throne. He's good and he's the same yesterday, today and forever. So I've got minutes, seems like minutes, ages for you. But it seems like minutes to try and wrap this up and get you to a place. The two missing dimensions that will stop you entering in, apart from what we've said, the humanism in the way of Cain. The two missing dimensions are the word and the spirit when they come together. Remember, we used a scripture last week, trust in the Lord, rely confidently with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. That's Proverbs 3, verse 5 in the Amplified Version. Trust in the Lord is the spirit dimension, not your own understanding is the flesh in the way of Cain. Yes? So we move towards something. Now remember, we again we used and we made the main emphasis last week about the man who built his house upon the rock against the man who built his house upon the sand. We don't need to go through the scripture, do we? The wise man is the man who hears these words of mine and what? Does them. Hello. So meanwhile, back at not entering in, the wise man is the one who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Now remember, the wise man built his house on the rock. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. Now remember again what we said. They have both invested. They both have a project and they both believe there is a hope of a future because they've established a house. But the man on the sand has missed and become deluded because the sand used to be the rock. But what comes to them both? Oh, the storm and the flood and the wind, the circumstances in life that you go through will be determined whether you stand or not based on your application. Do you know there's so many people go, oh, the devil lied to me. 
No, he didn't. You lied to you. You know, I think there's some days, have you heard the illustration that the, en- the enemy walks up and calls God on the phone, he's crying, and God says to Satan, what's the problem with you? It's them not out there, what? They blame me for everything. Maybe we should use this scripture. Be doers and not just hearers, lest you... Go on, shout it out. Deceive yourself. The enemy doesn't have to deceive any of us. We do a very good job with ourselves. And what we normally do, and that's why scripture says, do not see yourself more highly or lowly than you should. But the enemy just allows you to run around with your own thoughts. So my own thoughts are, I'm just a scuffer, I'm a scumbag, God can't do anything with me, what's the point? Do you know how much I messed up again this week, I might as well sit here, fold my arms, I'm here just because somebody dragged me here. The other side is, God, do you realise that if you had created me earlier, you didn't need Jesus. You and me. You and me. You find some people that are so holy and righteous, they don't need any other member of the Trinity. It's them and God, or them and Jesus, or it's me and the Holy Ghost, and we're the prophets to the world. Please, It's out of alignment. That deception must be brought back in. The power of the word will unlock your life. The power of the spirit will sustain your life. You go, are you sure about that, Phil? Oh, I think so. He leads me into all truth. He leads me to the Christ. He leads me in the way of righteousness. He reveals the Father. He reveals the Son. He reveals my life. He reveals the purposes. Oh, and guess what? It turns around, Proverbs tells me that, and it's a man's spirit that will sustain him in sickness. Facebook won't. Oh, you see, what I'll do is, I'll try and rely on, I'll just throw it off to the warriors. I'll throw it off to the warriors and they'll pull it through. You know why you're not praying yourself? Because you're part of the warriors and not the warriors. Do you ever, have you ever given it any thought of why you're called to pray? Have you ever given it any thought? Two thirds of the Godhead are intercessors. Jesus prays continually for you. The Holy Ghost prays for you. So I think if I have the nature and character of God, it should move me towards... Wow, that was rocket science. It just moves us on. But here's the thing. When the entrance of your word brings light, yes? That's what Isaiah, Isaiah, Psalm 19 tells us, the entrance of your work brings light. Get your head around this for a moment if you can. It blows my circuits, but I'm a lot more simple than you, so you'll probably be okay. You've got a higher ampage in your spiritual circuit board. His word will never return to empty or void, but will accomplish that which he set out to do. Is that Bible? So when Pastor Tony's been talking about allowing the word to enter you so that you can enter the word, are you ready for this? Are you ready? Because I'm going to mess with your circuits. 
His word has a destination. Yes? When I say yes to it, it has to take me on the destination to the place called finish. You can do whatever you want, but his word will carry you through to the place it's supposed to go. Oh, God, what do you want from my life? Get in the word. Oh, God, where am I going to go? Find the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has become that optional extra of the Trinity. Do we want? Don't we want? It's a bit weird. Don't want that talking funny business. The element of that Holy Spirit is going to bring you into all truth. See, we're all old. If you're here, you know this was... This was Bethel Pentecostal Tabernacle. So the roots of this place was all Pentecostal. Pentecostals, as some people would call them. You have the Pentecostals, and then it moved to, let's get a bit more, let's be more kind of inviting to everybody else. We're more charismatic now. So don't call ourselves Pentecostal. But what we have done is that that pursuit of the Holy Ghost gets lost and he becomes an optional extra because we become familiar with him. Now you lot are not going to remember. But I did. I'd forgot, but I got the opportunity to be enlightened this week. Going through my old drawer, find a CD. Get a CD, let's put it on. Put it on, do you know who it was? 2004, yes, 2004, the Dream Center's 50th anniversary. And do you remember we made the DVD and there was Andy from the BBC doing his, welcome to the Dream Center. (laughs) And the word was established in 1954, because he's only Andy who can speak properly in Manchester. (laughs) So we had all the stuff, but then there was the piece of video of Gwen and Margaret. And Margaret's talking about finding the Holy Ghost and having waiting meetings where you would come in faith and anticipation hoping that the Holy Ghost would turn up. We're going to Sunday morning. He's here. He's running amongst us. And we're going, what time? Oh, come on, hurry up. And she tells the story. She got filled with the Holy Ghost. And she went, and I went like a steam train. Woo! And my mum was going, Margaret, shut up. Margaret, I'm going, oh, leave it alone. And she's telling the story. And it was like, Gwen, do you remember? Oh, yeah, we had to lead you into the back room. I was like, woo! Woo! And I tell you, you look at it, but there was a season when people pursued everything to find God. And we go, it is now so easy like flicking. Again, you youngins have no understanding when I tell you telly only work for certain hours a day. BBC would be the woman with a chalkboard and a balloon, clown face. No Channel 4. No Channel 5. BBC 2 after 6 o'clock. You don't know you're alive, you lot. Test card. 12 o'clock, do you know what happened? They played the national anthem. And if you was in my house and you was still up at that time, my dad would stand up being ex-military. Hey, hurry to the majesty. We now go 967 channels, nothing on, familiar, flick about. Oh, do you know what? I'll get one of them box sets I've saved and pull it back. 
we're like that with the Holy Ghost. We've become so familiar. Whereas when he comes in and he arrests us, David, King David, turns around and makes this point. He's fallen. He's had his Bathsheba moment. He turns around and says, God, you can take everything, but do not take your Holy Spirit from me. He knew the value of the Holy Ghost, even losing the kingdom, losing his men, losing the very crown on his head for Israel. But do not take away your Holy Ghost. So why aren't we entering in? Maybe it's already laid before us that the Holy Ghost is trying to take us in and the word is there to lead us. Paul and I were having a quick conversation about that this morning and we said something together and it triggered a thought. We're trying with all our energy to get in. But do you know what God's doing? God's a superb. He's ahead of sci-fi before Star Trek and Stargate and everything else. God's got a spiritual tractor beam that he points towards Ralph. He presses it and it draws me into his presence. But I'm doing everything going, God, I'm trying to get in your presence. But I won't let go of the obstacles of life that will take me. You've heard the term before, you're like the man who tries to hold on to the piano on the Titanic. I'm taking the piano with me. Whatever you're taking is going to kill you. Sentiment will kill you. Your thought processes will kill you. Your reasoning will kill you. This is the way walk in it. It's not as complicated as we try and make it out to be. It's never complicated. As I said to you before, this whole thing of finding his presence, Christ being revealed and being formed in you, is not a pipe dream. But if we deceive ourselves by going, well, I've done it all, guess what? It'll always be out of reach. Have you ever seen it? on the Antiques Roadshow, for any of you, or Bargain Hunt, or something that goes down, have you ever seen a thing called a Tantalus? Where they'll have, you'll have like a, a decanter of whiskey, and brandy, and port or something, and then it has a bar over the top so that you can't lift it off, so that you can look at it, but you can't have access. God is not like that. He doesn't dangle something in front of you and go, here you go, Paul, there you go. Come on, Paul, touch me, Paul, touch me, Paul, touch me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe next week, because the thing is, you know and I know you're a scuffer, but I'm trying to help. He opens the way and says, it's open to you. Christ has paid the way. He's paved the way so that you and I can change. Do you know we turned around and said that here's a crazy thing. Get your head around this. I've got 10 minutes. Can I do it in 10 minutes? If I need 15 minutes, if I have, need five, four, five more minutes, can I have five more minutes? Put your hand up if I can have five more minutes. Yeah. Right, five, 10, 15, 20, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just checking, just checking. We leave it so everything is. Debs, if you're good enough, you're clean enough, you're wonderful enough, come the day when you go toes up, you will go to be with him in heaven. That is our great hope, isn't it? We're going to be where he is. Forgetting that he left that environment to be where you are. So God creates man, he puts him in the garden, 
and then he walks with man in the cool of the evening. Every religion in the world is your job to try and find your way to God. Christianity is the only religion relationship where God came to where you are, not where you've got to get to where he is. So God's desire is, I've got all of this stuff. I've got the angels, I've got the cherubim, I've got the seraphim, and everything we don't even know about, about heaven. And he turns around and says, out of everything you want, I want you. So he steps out of heaven to walk in the environment where man is. Am I still being Bible? Time, we've not got time to turn to it all. In the scripture, it turns around and tells us in 2 Corinthians, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and I will walk amongst them. God's desire is still to walk amongst you. Revelation says how Jesus walks amongst the candlesticks. He's walking in his church. So his desire has never changed to fellowship with you. So if he wants fellowship and intimacy with you that he lost from Adam and Eve, God's not hanging it on a stick. He's made a way where there was no way so that you and I can have access back into his presence. And it's not about how good you are. It's not about how much you prayed. God, I prayed and fasted this week, so I'll find your presence. Oh, so it's about you, is it? You're not getting closer because of how religiously you want to beat yourself. Now, here's a crazy thing. I'll let this mess with your brain. Adam and Eve, taken outside of the garden, put outside when they've fallen. Am I still being biblical without having to turn to the text? Shows you two things. One, Eden didn't cover the whole world. It covered a portion of the earth, and they were put outside. And it was Adam's job to expand, expand that garden. So he's put outside. And what is put in the way so that Adam and Eve cannot have access to the tree of life anymore? The angel, the angel with... The angel with a fiery sword that goes, never mind, hey, we're on full-on Indiana Jones here now, aren't we? There's this angel that says, you try and cross this way, and you and I is going to have a moment. Are we still being biblical? But guess what? In that angelic, we'll go, well, is there still a way that's blocked for me? Let me just help you with this. That angel must respond to the Christ. So when the Christ comes forward, the angel can do only one thing, worship. When I come to access the presence of God, any angelic that would block it has to recognize the Christ in me, bow down and worship and leave me free access. We've all gone quiet now. Every excuse has been moved. Now, this is the key that I believe will unlock entrance for us. Saw it this morning. Can't say I've been smart about it. Just saw something this morning, and hopefully it'll help us. Let me read it to you. It's Psalm 26 and verse 8. I love the house where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. I love the house where you live. One translation says your habitation. Where you live, O Lord, the place where your glory dwells. 
So where does the glory dwell? It's in the scripture. I'm not being smart. Where does the glory dwell? In the house where he lives. Hello? Can we come back? Where does the glory dwell? In the house where he lives. Moses turns around and says, we've got to build a tabernacle for the Ark of the Covenant. And there is one command. Build it according to the pattern that has been shown you from heaven. So there's a pattern that they had to build so that God would dwell. Is that right? Then Jesus turns around and says this. When I accept you as my personal saviour, I've accepted Jesus, you are my son. My father and I will make you our dwelling place. Where I dwell, hello, the glory dwells also. Samuel turns round and they're going, we're looking, we're looking for Saul. Where is he? He's off looking for his dad's donkeys. His donkeys have gone missing. And the prophet says, you are looking for what is not lost. You're trying to find a gateway to enter in that is already open, that he says, if I step in, because the glory is already on the inside, you and me will dwell together. Oh, come on, kids. We're trying for this mystical thing of stepping in, entering, finding him, and he's going, hello, I'm here. I'm here. What's stopping you is just you. Because you think there must be something I need to do over and above what he's already done. Oh, don't make me work any harder, guys. Let me read you a scripture. Hebrews 10. This is my last. Give me five minutes. I've got two minutes and then five minutes, which is seven minutes. Then Tom, give me an extra five after that, so that's good. (laughs) Hebrews 10, 19 to 23 says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. So we have confidence to enter. Yes. By what Jesus has done. By a new and living way. Open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with sincerity of heart and with full full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I'll break it down for you. Repentance. I need to acknowledge that I have not followed the way of the Spirit, but walked in the light of my own understanding. The way of Cain. So the way of Cain is there must be some religious exploit I have not been doing to make me closer when he's already made the way. In your prayer, start to ask the Holy Ghost to reveal the Son and his word and have it established in you. Ask that the Holy Spirit gives you the mind and the thoughts of Christ. Deal with your old nature. There is no condemnation, but we enter with confidence. Please, please, please have that caveat. If you're sat and you feel condemned, God's not speaking. Yeah. 
I'll say it again. If you sit feeling condemned, God's not speaking. The Holy Ghost will convict you. Oh, you dirty John. You di- oh, I know what you did. Oh, John. That is not the voice of the Holy Ghost. And that is also one of the key things that when somebody turns around and says they're prophetic and they use their gifting as a sin detector to try and tell you how bad you are, God's not speaking. I normally start at that stage with the right hand of fellowship. And somebody will normally find the full fivefold expression coming their way because you misrepresent God and you try and put me under condemnation. Flee condemnation. We are in the light. Walk in the light as I am in the light. Amen. We enter because of what Jesus has done and the price for our sins has been paid. The blood and the power of his resurrection has made the way so that tractor beam that's drawing you in, there are no obstacles of me entering with confidence. Amen. Me and John's going in. Let the word enter you so that you can enter the word. Again, remembering that it doesn't return to him empty or void. Come in sincerity of heart and faithfulness and we hold unswervingly to the hope for I know whom I've believed and I'm persuaded that he is able and then that pipe dream will be your reality and not wishful thinking oh I don't know what happened with Paul this morning he must have had three Weetabix oh because he seemed to be when he was saying let's love worship and put our hand I wonder how you do that well, why don't you make a journey and find out let me tell you something with this thought I close. When we, not you, when we sit here every Sunday morning feeling why God seems a million miles away and then people lost in worship must be weird, you're out of alignment. But the way is not made difficult. I don't turn around and go, I like Paul more than John. I like Billy better than... Invisible Billy is better than both of them. But I'll tell you what, I'll make it easy for Paul. We'll go, just give it a bit of an effort, Paul, and you're in. I'll reveal myself. But for you, John, you're going to have to come back for the next three weeks, praying, fasting, rub yourself so if you turn sideways, you can see all your ribs. If you get that way, you get access. We enter because of what Jesus Christ has done into a new and living way. We have gone beyond the veil. We're not even in the Holy of Holies because there is a gate to the Holy of Holies, but there is a curtain to the curtain. Hebrews tell you about that we are taken beyond the second veil. The first veil is your entrance of stepping in, of saying, I know Jesus Christ. But there's another place where we go beyond the veil, and that is yours by right. That is your access point. That's where you live. That's where your prayers are answered. That's where you find your provision. That's where the purposes of God are made revealed. That's where the Holy Ghost will take you by the hand. That's where your hope is secure. That's where your anchor is set. That is where your life makes sense. That is where you're connected to the body, and that is where you walk in the light as his in the light and we have fellowship with one another fellowship is not tea and biscuits fellowship is when we step into where he is he embraces us 
He said, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And you say, oh, well, God has favorites. God does not have favorites, but he does show favoritism. And this is the wonderful thing that helps me is that when Jesus Christ goes to his day of baptism and he steps in, has Jesus done anything at this moment in time? Is there any, how many, has he healed the sick? Has he opened the eyes of the blind? A leper's walking. He steps in and Father says from heaven that when you read it in Matthew, I think it says he rips open the heaven. Paul used the scripture this morning, different place. You would rent the heavens and come down. And he said, this is my beloved son in whom? God is well pleased with you before you do stuff. Come on, guys, let's stand to our feet. I understand this morning that I've held back the steam train. I've not gone as fast as I could have. I know maybe you might need to go back to the podcast, but I, I just pray my heart this morning when I was in, early, in here early praying is that there is a breaking through of seeing that we enter in corporately and as individuals, and it's about what he has done, and I just need to align myself to it. Does it give you any hope? Yes. Amen. Amen. If it's going to give you any hope, may we see fruit on your tree. May we not have to come week in, week out and go in. Now, I know you've had a bad week this week, Dan, but will you please have a go at loving God? Will you please have a go at trying to get a little bit closer? Can, we, can you please turn your phone off? We love him. We love his presence. We love all that he's got for us. But our greatest days are ahead of us. Yeah. He's drawing us in for a reason. And that reason is that Christ is established, matured, that you and I become the move and be the demonstration, bringing glory to the Father. Father, we just pray right now in Jesus' name. Father, we pray for your word. We thank you for the whole day. Lord God, we pray that we do love your presence. We love your heart. We thank you, Lord, that we have confidence to enter your throne room, that we have confidence to lay hold of the throne of grace this morning. And I pray, Father, for every life here, for every life, Father, that's that's not available with us this morning. I pray, my God. Father, bring that confidence, bring that sincerity, bring that faith into our hearts. As we enter, Lord God, cause our eyes to see, cause our ears to hear, cause us to be filled afresh with the Holy Ghost. Give us a fresh moment, give us a fresh move. And Lord God, I pray, cause our lives to bear fruit that will bring glory to the King. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Amen.